1: Welcome back to the Art of Charm podcast, a show designed to help you communicate with power and become unstoppable on your path from hidden genius to influential leader. We know you have what it takes to reach your full potential, and that's why each and every week we're going to share with you interviews and strategies to help you transform your life by helping you unlock your unique X factor. Whether you're in sales, leadership, building client relationships, or even looking for love, we got what you need. You
2: shouldn't have to settle for anything less than extraordinary.
1: And today's episode is a year-end review. We're going to give you a little behind-the-scenes look at how we prepare for our interviews, who our favorite guests were, and some lessons we're taking with us from 2021 into the new year.
2: AJ, I got to say, I really enjoyed doing this episode. It allows us to talk about ourselves and what we have going on around the Art of Charm. And if you guys in the audience dig this episode, let us know. We'll do more of them. That's right. We got Michael joining us all the way from Vienna, and he's going to be
1: sharing some of his favorite guests and tips as well. So stay tuned. We hope everyone has a happy and healthy new year. Now, before we kick things off, did you know you can get the entire Art of Charm catalog? That's 15 years plus of podcasts featuring expert guests and toolbox episodes when you subscribe to Stitcher Premium. Sign up today and use code CHARM to get a free month at stitcher.com. All right, let's kick things off. So today we thought it'd be fun. Over the last year, we've obviously interviewed some amazing guests, and we've shared some of our favorite topics that we teach here at The Art of Charm in toolbox formats. But as we wrap the year... We have learned quite a bit from our guests, and we'd love to share with you a little bit of our personal journey over the last year and what we're looking forward to kicking off 2022 with. So this is going to be a little peek behind the scenes, learn a little bit more about me, Michael, and Johnny, and what's going on in our lives. And hopefully you'll get some value out of it as well to think about what goals you have as you enter 2022 So the first thought that I had, and I thought would be fun for us to chat about, is what was our favorite guest over the last year, and maybe even a piece of advice that that guest shared that we applied in our life. I know for myself, I do a lot of negotiating here at The Art of Charm, whether it's negotiating corporate contracts, government contracts, or even in sales, negotiation is one of those skill sets that I'm always working on. And my favorite guest over this past year was actually Victoria Medvec, who shared with me some new strategies that I had never tried in negotiations. And I remember during that podcast, I was diligently taking notes myself because we had a big negotiation coming up in a couple weeks. And I was able to actually implement her strategy of having three options to negotiate from, which really allows you to frame the negotiation in a way that the other person feels like they have agency, like They're making a choice, that's the best fit for them, but it actually allowed the negotiation to move a lot smoother and put us in the driver's seat, which I thought was just so fascinating after all the guests we've had over the last decade plus really talking about negotiations.
0: Yeah, totally, AJ. I know that for me going into, into 2022 and also going through 2021, like a big theme of that was um, negotiation for me. It was um, getting, as with all the chaos that 2020 seemed to be, 2021 for me was a time to organize things a little bit more and get my plans and deadlines and ambitions and everything straight and planned out. And her episode helped me on the negotiation front, where very often um, I learned to frankly ask what I'm worth. And maybe sometimes, you know, charge more for a workshop that I'm doing than I would have done before, where I was still new in the coaching world years ago. And after this episode, I realized, you know what? No, I think that there's a lot of times where I'm worth much more now than I used to be in 2015 when I started out doing workshops. And um, that episode helped me in, in negotiating.
2: It was interesting and unique to hear about negotiation from somebody that you don't normally are going to see as a strong negotiating figure. She's this tiny woman with glasses, and but yet she was very thorough in in her book. I just couldn't stop taking notes and, of course, talking to her. And learning about yourself and your situation and finding creative ways to leverage all of those in negotiation. I mean, A.J., In fact, and you were saying that you were taking notes. I mean, you were immediately implementing things directly from that podcast. I think like the very next day uh, and some of the talks that we were doing with some vendors and all. Well,
1: it was funny. I was organizing a group dinner and in the past it would have been a group back and forth. Everyone throwing suggestions in the bucket. And of course, if you're planning, well, that leads to a ton of time spent just trying to figure out where to meet. And right after that episode, I was like, you know what, I'm going to try something different with my friends. So I just said, hey, we're meeting, here are three options. And I gave everyone three options to choose from. And it was the fastest negotiation to a group dinner that I've ever had. And what was so remarkable is, I think many of us, when we think about negotiating, we think about, how do I remove emotion from the equation? We think about it in a very logical way. We think, well, if our emotions get the best of us, we're not going to be expert negotiators. And she actually argued the opposite. It's about understanding your emotions, understanding the other party's emotions, and then creating a great story around those emotions. That's what makes you an expert negotiator. And I think so many of us, when we're thinking about negotiating a salary raise, negotiating with our landlords, or even just negotiating with friends and family, that we want to be stoic. We want to remove emotion from the equation. And that actually works against us in those negotiations. And what she said, and she highlighted in that episode, is bringing this to every possible opportunity you have. So Bringing it into fun negotiations with your friends, like a group dinner, is a great way to practice these skills in low-stakes environments, which, of course, we're huge about here at The Art of Charm. All of our coaching programs give you low-stakes environments to practice these skills so that you can implement them in that high-stakes environment, in that boardroom, in that job interview, in that moment
2: that's most critical in your life. I think the low stakes moments certainly allow you to enhance and have an opportunity to practice this stuff. And I think what was also apparent in that interview and certainly in her book was we have more opportunities in our lives to negotiate than we think about. When we think about negotiation, we think about raises, we think about a promotion, uh, we think about uh, house sales and things like that. However, as you mentioned, AJ, you were setting up a, a dinner with some friends and that negotiation played a role. It's, it's in our lives. It's in our lives dealing with our spouses and loved ones. There's negotiations going on all the time. And it it's one of those skills that if you learn about it, just allows you to enhance your life, gives you more tools, and allows you to look at life from multiple angles so that you can get the most out of it. And if you're not practicing it, then you're not reaping the benefits of it.
1: And we also know that negotiating over email at the end of the year, negotiating over text message, as Victoria pointed out, is probably not the best way to go about it. And some of us millennials like to remove the face-to-face from the equation. But if you can strengthen that face-to-face negotiation skill set, you can really set yourself apart from the crowd and really stand out in the right way in your career, which is an important highlight from that episode. What was your most impactful episode this last year, Michael?
0: For me, oh, it's, this is this is really hard to pick, um, so I'll start with one and then you tell me if I can talk about more, but something that really stood out for me was Katie Miltman's episode on how to change, because behavior change is a big part of what I do at The Art of Charm and Unstoppable, and something that I really learned from her, and I'm so glad that, that I finally got this figured out was what she termed temptation bundling. So if you haven't listened to the episode, temptation bundling means that you you combine something that you really enjoy with something that's a little bit of a drag. So you might um, only listen to your favorite podcast while you're doing the laundry, for example. And for me, that came into play with the most dreaded piece of my day, which is cardio training, which I I just, don't i know it's important i know it's good i do it every day but i don't like it and i've since i've implemented temptation bundling what i'm doing now is i'm only watching my favorite tv shows when i'm doing cardio training and no matter if it ends on a cliffhanger no matter how much i want to watch the next episode What I need to do is get back on the cardio bike. And, and that just has allowed me to, you know, push my training maybe five minutes more, maybe 10 minutes more, because I want to know what happens next. And then I kind of already look forward to, um, Training the next day because that means you know I get to see what what happens in the show and not only cardio training but also flossing my teeth, um, doing laundry. Like there there are certain audio books that I only allow myself to listen when I'm doing chores. There are certain um, news shows or podcasts I only listen to when I'm flossing my teeth, uh, and it's it's amazing. It's I I'm so grateful that she shared that piece of knowledge with us.
1: I think one of the biggest takeaways from that episode for me that I really appreciated as well, and we've had so many experts on over the years, and I think many of us get super excited when we feel like we've cracked the code for ourselves, we want to share that with others. But Katie made the very interesting point during her episode that when it comes to change, every single one of us is going to take a different combination of strategies to make change happen in our own lives. She didn't come on the episode with a blanket prescription for everyone to create change. And she even admitted that she's had to try a few of these different strategies until she found something that unlocked that change for herself. And I think that's just such an important takeaway. I know many of us, myself included, are very impatient with ourselves when it comes to change. We want those results now. We just want a simple solution or strategy to get us that result. And sometimes it takes a lot of trial and error until you find something like temptation
2: bundling to really help pay off in your own life. As we change the the methods that we use to create change, the methods that we use to to stick our our habits to to certain behaviors those change as we change as well so it's constantly shuffling around to find what is the most effective for that place in time and laying out all the different tools gives you the opportunity then to pick and choose and see which ones are going to work best in those moments and with all the guests we have i mean we're inundated with tools all the time on this podcast i can only go through so much so it's always thinking about where i'm at in a in a place in time in a mindset and then start to look at the tools that i i think will benefit me most in those moments as they're all laid out at this point point.
1: and i know for myself one of those biggest opportunities for change was the ability to say no And Katie shared with us how important just saying no was for her to create change in her own career and make a larger impact. Many of us are people pleasers by nature, myself Mm -hmm. included, and it can be difficult to turn down what looks like amazing opportunities in your life. But that draws time and resources away from some of your bigger goals and aspirations. And if you don't become strategic in your ability to say no and you don't guard that precious time, Well, it's hard to create the change that you're looking for in your life when you're doing everything for
2: others. I think it's easy for human beings to want binary answers. It makes things Mm. so easy. So, However, if you find out or see that you have been a people pleaser in the past, you're going to have the tendency then to go the other way. Well, now I'm never going to get taken advantage of ever again because I'm going to say no all the time. Well, now you just closed yourself off to opportunity. So you have to learn those skills that allow you to place boundaries and, and work within those boundaries so that you are open to opportunities. You just can't just shut everything off and say, I'm not doing this anymore. That's certainly where the skill of all of it comes in. It's about how well can you draw boundaries and how well Mm -hmm. can you live within those boundaries And and then as well as being able to be flexible and within those boundaries when you need to be. And that's that is something that takes practice. This is why self-development isn't something that you do or you've learned and you've turned it on. It's something that evolves with you as you evolve. And of course,
1: it's so refreshing to hear Katie share that she wasn't ready to trust her gut just yet. She had to bring in others to help her reinforce the know to learn what truly was working for her and what truly wasn't working for her in terms of where she was committing her time and resources. And so many of us, we don't like asking for help, myself included. That's why I'm speaking uh, from my first perspective of I also don't like asking for help. It's difficult for me. But it's a skill now that I've had to bring into my own life to create the space for change that I'm looking for. Just like Katie, bringing in her peers and creating a no group where they bounce ideas off of, is this a good fit for me? Not trusting your gut at first. And as she shared, over time, she's learned now to trust her gut a lot more clearly. But when we're getting started and we're excited about things, it can be
2: difficult to choose the right opportunities for us to pursue. AJ brought up something there that's incredibly important that I want to dig into, which is asking for help. I think with the invention of the internet, everything now, all the information that we need about everything is on it. So it's easy for us to think about, oh, well, I need to do this. So I'm going to go read a blog on it. I'm going to go watch this pod or listen to this podcast on it. And maybe I'll check out this book. And now I'm going to figure it out myself. Well, that's very noble of everybody wanting to do those things, and you should. You should put yourself into it so you can sort of learn what's going on. However, if you want it done right and if you want it done well, you might have to ask for help because you're going to be doing things for the first time and they're going to be a mess. And I've said on the show multiple times about being at the level of your own incompetence because you should find yourself there multiple times uh, throughout the year because you should be pushing yourself. However, if you don't want to get frustrated with, with, learning new things all the time, to have some guidance is incredibly important. And
0: also, this is a nice way of connecting to people as well. I've heard it uh, said to me this year that asking for help honors the helper or something along those lines. And this year I've really started reaching out, asking people in my my circle for help with things that I could have easily found on the internet. Because for me it was nice to reach out to my brother and ask about, you know, how, the best airbrush or any recommendation he has on 3D printing. Um, I started growing my own chili peppers, <laughs> which I don't know, don't ask me why. I just got bored and wanted to start with something. And it's been such a great opportunity to call my grandma and say, hey, can you tell me what? You know, how often do I need to water? What do I do with this? How do I do that? Could have Googled all of that, but it was so nice. And she felt so good sharing her gardening experience with me. And this is just something where we can forge that connection with other people just by reaching out and asking a question.
2: Again, that human binary problem comes into effect where you want to learn something well enough so when you hire the person to come help with that project, you can get in and speak to the person and you know what it's going on and what it's going to look like. Rather than just... Saying, knowing that you have to do something and then hiring somebody to do it and then expecting them to do it well and you don't even know what they're doing. I feel really good about a lot of the things that I tried and failed at and we'll talk about this in a bit uh, this year of just because of learning new things. However, even in the, the realm of social media, something I did a, a lot at the beginning of the year and it was apparent uh, just how much I, I didn't like working in that area. But doing so much of it uh, allowed us, when we hired out for that, to work with the person that we brought in because of having been there and having done some of those things.
1: Well, I, I think it's so beautiful when we can ask others for help simply because it's one of the greatest compliments you can pay someone, mm-hmm. that you actually need their support in your life. And in the situation of growing peppers, I mean – To ask your grandma and get that feedback and to learn instead of just going to some random website and and watching a quick video. Like, those are the bonds and the connections that we love shaping on this show. And for me, it's just so heartwarming. You know, we have WhatsApp groups in our X Factor community, we have WhatsApp groups from all of our boot camps that we've run over the years that are very active with participants. And we love hearing how bringing on some of these guests to have these great interviews with have created opportunities for wins in our clients' lives, how you're taking these lessons and really applying them. That's really the most heartwarming for both me, Johnny, and of course, Michael as well, and Unstoppable with other clients. Because I think many of us, it's easy to consume. It's easy to take in all of this information. And of course, we give you a lot. There's a ton of books. But it's really, how do you take these strategies, apply them in your life, and see an impact? That's what fascinates me
2: the most. Let me ask you a question. What would you be able to accomplish with a team that supports, encourages, and holds you accountable to weekly strategies, building unique skills such as rapport building, leadership, and influence? Imagine having that accountability for one whole year. The answer to this question is there are no limits. That's right,
1: Johnny. Turn your goals into reality. That's exactly what we do in our X Factor Accelerator. Our program is filled with expert trainings that we've built over the last 15 years from the best in their industries to help our clients level up at a rapid pace in a world that's also evolving at a rapid pace. Relationships matter. They can help you get introductions and help you get on the inside track. Military, entrepreneurs, and professionals alike who are looking for an edge to beat out the competition are finding it inside of their X Factor.
2: Your X Factor is hidden inside you and ready to be unleashed. Join our community and build an unstoppable mindset, captivating conversations, and leveraging your social capital to win at love, life, and work. Join us and find out what you're truly capable of. Apply now at
1: unlockyourxfactor.com. That's unlockyourxfactor.com. Before we wrap the show for the new year, we have a shout-out that goes to one of our newest X Factor members, John.
2: Yes, this week's shout-out goes to John, who just went full-time at his new job. He credits the new conversational tools that he's used to build rapport with his co-workers. This allowed him to feel relaxed to work so he could focus on doing a good job. He realized elevating the office would be a surefire way to get by as he learned what he needed to excel. Office dynamics is something that we frequently discuss in our X-Factor Accelerator. It's easy to get bogged down in the day-to-day grind. We take time to step back and look at the challenges that you face with a critical eye and give you tactical steps to overcome any
1: obstacles. If you're ready to unlock your X-Factor and excel at work, head on over to unlockyourxfactor.com to apply today. at indeed.com slash charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You
2: need Indeed. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge.
1: They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life.
2: Let's hear your favorite, Johnny. For me, I had an extra layer of new added to this year because I had moved to Vegas in the middle of a a global pandemic. And I didn't know many people when I had moved here. So that was on top of everything else. And uh, so the guest that I'm going to choose here is Dr. Caroline Leaf. I really enjoyed uh, her book on cleaning up your mental mess. And with the added extra layer of of moving to a new city and building out a social network and and learning about the town, that was just another piece thrown onto a year of of growth. And I certainly used a lot of those strategies to keep focused, to keep straight and untangle a lot of the cognitive distortions and biases that I've had that I had to unlearn. I, I was living in Los Angeles for 10 years and with, with a move, you're also dealing with the subtle changes in the cultures of the places that you're moving to. I just, even though Las Vegas is what, four and a half hours away from Los Angeles, it's an incredibly different world. People here are very different. And this is a very transient town. It's a tourist town. People are in and out. However, outside of just the strip here in Vegas, you learn that there's a whole other world of Las Vegas and people here are very proud of uh, this area. And and certainly the locals here getting the sports teams that they recently have added to Vegas. There's this sense of pride that Vegas has come into its own as a city. And it's really interesting to follow that and and to feel that and moving here. So Caroline's, Book and podcast came at a right time when being isolated from your friends and family that you've created for yourself for the last 10 years, throwing yourself into a new town where people were a little bit hesitant to be reaching out due to everyone wearing face coverings and everything that is going on along with a global pandemic. It certainly wasn't easy, but it had certainly been fun.
1: I remember specifically that episode, what was one of my favorite takeaways, was her just simply sharing how she's used her exact strategies with her daughter. And I know that many of the clients we work with have kids. And after you self-actualize and you're working on yourself, you look at, okay, how can I support this growth in my children? And to hear her share that story of the treadmill experience with her daughter and how she's actually helped coach her daughter go through that exact same process to declutter some of that mental baggage and unpack some of that trauma in a way that benefits her, creates momentum towards a goal, and allows her to build the skills she needs to overcome adversity. Those are the, the anecdotes and the stories that I love from the show because many of the parents in our audience reached out after that episode and shared that, wow, it's so great to hear how guests are applying these skills with their own families. I think many of us read books and we think about, oh, you know, this is how I can apply it in my own life. But when it comes to children, we're having an impact on them whether we like it or not. They're modeling us in a lot of ways. And if we can bring these tools to the forefront for them, well, we can help them overcome challenges that would probably keep them from taking some of our coaching programs.
0: That is actually something or an idea that I often like to upload into the minds of those that are in our Q and A sessions, whether it's X Factor Accelerator or Unstoppable, where someone might be struggling with something that's you know, it's a little bit tough to figure out. And of course we're there to help, but a, a reframe that I like to bring in is saying, like, look, one day, in a few years, maybe your kid, maybe your niece, maybe your nephew is going to come to you and say, hey, I'm having this problem. And you will be able to say, you know what, I've been there a few years ago and I figured it out and let me help you. And and that is that that reframe that shows them, okay, this is tough right now. Like, of course I have help, but I'm going through a rough patch right now. But, you know, a few years in the future, it's going to be the, the guiding light for someone that I love. And so I'm willingly going through that struggle so that I'm later then able to help them.
2: One of the other things that uh, when I think about that episode that sticks in my mind is all the visuals that she had with all the, the things that were around her office and discussing the book. And for those that were listening on the podcast, they didn't have that benefit. However, we do have a YouTube channel where all of these are. And, uh, and you can certainly see it there. She had, she had a visual for everything. And I remember in recording that, we were like, oh, <laughs> our podcast listeners are, are not going to have that that benefit, and we were nervous about that, but I think it came through rather well. She's a very visual learner and presenter. Absolutely. Those models, I think, are a lot
1: more impactful on the YouTube channel. One thing I want to talk about that I think many in the audience over the last decade have asked us is, you know, which guests do you get nervous for? And obviously, we've had some big in-person interviews over the years. With COVID, it's been a little trickier to get guests in studio. Uh, but this year, we definitely had some guests that were making us a little nervous or anxious. And that's why it was so fun to cover anxiety and have on so many experts around anxiety and use some of the tools that we've learned over the years, from Ethan Cross to overcome that chatter in your brain to keep you focused on the interview. And we started the year with one of my favorites, BJ Fogg. Love all of the work he's done on habit formation. It's one of the books that we recommend for all of our clients when you're looking at removing bad habits from your life, but also creating space for new healthy habits. And that was a very exciting episode that we kicked the year off with. But I know, Johnny, we were both talking about this. One of our big goals this year, because we're such huge fans of his work, was to get the opportunity to actually talk to Joe Navarro. We've been covering body language in our boot camps for over a decade. Much of that work is based on his books, And the work that he's done as an expert in body language, both reading and understanding what we're communicating in our own body language. And that episode made me extremely nervous. And the lead up to that, I had so many questions buzzing in my head, so much excitement to finally get a chance to sit down with him and have that chat. And of course, once you hit record, it all goes out the window, right? You rely on some of the prep, but it was fun at the end of the episode to really have some moments to to deeply connect with Joe in a meaningful way. And really now I consider him to be one of our resources for the show. And he's been so generous with his time uh, after the show as well. It was really a remarkable moment for us.
2: Yeah, and I had been following him and messaging him back and forth uh, on Twitter for a while now, just in some of the things that he posts and and uh, some of the books that he will dis- discuss. And so for me, there was a there was already a a little bit of a personal relationship leading up to that. So it gave me a, an extra layer of nervousness. But when you're dealing with somebody who knows a subject to the caliber that he does. It's always intimidating. I mean, I feel very acquainted and familiar with a lot of the guests because we read their books before they come on. And there are certainly preconceived notions that I have about how they might be in the interview because of their books. Those are not always as quite accurate as they, they turn out to be when it actually starts. It's always very
1: surprising. It's definitely true. You get an opportunity not only to read the book, but then to unpack What they were thinking as they were researching the book, what was the genesis of the very point of writing the book, and sharing a bit more of the backstory behind that, then of course can be included in books. I know for myself, I was so fired up after reading Tim Grover's book and excited to have that opportunity to chat with him. And the one thing that I took away from that episode was his idea that balance is bullshit. Because I think so much of my life, I'm in this constant state of chasing balance. I just want to have this work-life balance, and I want everything to be in harmony. And really hearing him share both Michael's journey and Kobe's journey to greatness, and really the understanding of mentality of what it takes to perform at such a high level year in and year out as a professional, it was just so refreshing to hear him, no holds barred, explain, listen. Balance can go out the window, and if you start to look at your life in seasons, you start to think about where you're really putting your focus, it's okay if at times things feel out of balance.
2: That's normal. That's a part of the process. Reading his book, I felt it was a bit dry. I wasn't really sure what angle that he was he was coming from, and I was nervous about the interview because I wasn't sure how it was going to go. However, the interview was so good, and, and I felt so comfortable talking with him. And then the book made a lot more sense to me. It's sort of like one of those things that all come together. As a musician, there's bands that maybe you listen to on record and you don't quite get, and then you see them live and it all comes together, then the records are so good afterwards. It was much in the same uh, manner as that for me. I think one of the more
1: rewarding things about doing the podcast over the years has been the fact that we get a lot of these books pre-print. Meaning, before they're actually published, we get to see the author's thoughts in a lot of unedited format yeah. and uncorrected proofs. So we see sort of how the sausage is made in building a lot of these best selling books. And also the fact that we actually read the books. And that's been such a powerful takeaway in my own personal life and something that many of the guests have shared with us uh, off air is just. How surprised they are. Of course, when it comes to podcasting, authors go on a lot of shows to sell books to talk about their work. And of course, I don't blame a lot of podcast hosts for not getting a chance to get to all of the books. But it is something that I really pride myself in getting an opportunity to sit down to really read the author's thoughts and then get a chance to really interrogate them a little bit around those thoughts, those ideas that they've crafted and and spent their whole life working on. It's really rewarding. And I know for me, some books are absolute page turners. Johnny and I will laugh in the, the prep, okay, that was a really easy one to read, or we'll reaffirm a lot of what we teach in our programs. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes the books can be really dry, but the guests can be really exciting and vibrant. And you almost wonder, how, how did you write that? <laughs> how is the tone so dry in that book? But here, here we are having such a great conversation.
2: Well, think about that. So the authors that we're reading are the best in their fields, and they've spent a lot of time in doing research for these books so by the time it goes from their from their brain on the paper through the editing process you can see where it could be very academic you can see why it would be kind of dry especially when they're going from uh, cited research to cited research so having them and speaking to them about it and for a lot of them, you see and get to hear the passion that comes through about their the subject that they have been researching on and realize that these some of these books, they had taken a decade to write in the research that they were going going over. And their passion for that subject comes through in the interview. That's that's the disconnect that I find a lot of times. So that while you're reading this research, of course it's going to be a bit dry. And of course I'm going to start to worry about how is this going to come off in the interview. And then we, we hit record and they light up because they're talking about their favorite subject that they've been researching for 10 years. And now all of that work is finally out and it's finally public and they get to share it. So they're fired up. So I have a question
0: around your process when it comes to going through all of those books, because it is a massive amount of books that you have to go through, sometimes on on short notice. So, what is your what is your reading practice? How do you take notes? Uh, what what questions stand out for you that you're then going to ask the guest? So I think
1: number one, I try to get started as soon as I possibly can, get my hands on the book, and you hit the nail on the head. Sometimes we get preprint books matter of days before the episode. Sometimes we'll get the books uh, far in, in advance. But one of the first things that, that Johnny and I both share is a love for the physical book. Yes. So I really don't like digital prints. I don't like spending more time on screens, as we talked about with Brian Primack, one of our guests. Um, one of the things that I'm really focusing on is trying to remove screen time from my life as diligently as possible. So I love a physical book. A physical book for me, number one, allows me to fold pages. I crease pages to go back. So as I'm whipping through a chapter, if there's something of real interest or something that sparks a thought, I'll fold a couple pages in that chapter. So by the time I make my way through the whole book, I can start to create a compendium of thoughts, ideas, questions that I want to unpack with the guests. The second thing that I'm always looking for is how can we take a high-level concept and make it really practical for the audience to, to put into their life, to put into practice. I think a lot of the books that we get talk at a high level and give a lot of science and data and reasoning behind the strategy, but sometimes can fall short in how do you actually apply it in your own life. So that's really the angle that I'm always trying to think through as I'm going through the book, or the lens that I use when I go through the book. And then what I'll do is I'll jot down some questions that I have in a separate document, I'll mull them over. I'll go on walks with Puppers and Amy and talk about some of the concepts in the book as they relate to me. And then when I feel good about my questions, I put them in the shared document with Johnny, and then typically we will digest together and walk through, okay, what are some thoughts and some things that we really definitely want to cover in the episode, and then allow space and time for it to be a little
2: bit free-flowing as well. I think that's part of the fun of it for myself, is that we're both reading these books on our own time, through our own lived experiences. And and when we put our questions on the, the shared Google Doc, I get to see what things that you had taken interest in on in the book. And then, of course, my notes of the interests that I had taken. Sometimes they line up. Sometimes they're wildly and widely different. And that's always entertaining to me and then so then, when we get together an hour before the show, we talk about what are the points that we want to hit, and it's quite interesting, especially because we're also viewing a lot of these books as you were talking about the lens that you were looking at them and reading them where we're also tied to the company together, so a lot of times the the ideas. That we're getting from the books or or that our takeaways are directly applied to the business that both you and I share, which is also an interesting dynamic as well. I certainly will tell you that a lot of times I'm thinking of some of
1: our executive clients and some of our X-Factor Accelerator members and and what issues they're bringing to discuss and how can I help them overcome them. So, you know, one of those questions that I keep coming back to for a lot of our executive clients is their parents and I'm thinking about starting a family and I really want to be an amazing parent myself. So I bring that lens to some of the conversation as it applies to, well, how do we work with kids around screen time, right? With Brian Primack, what does he do with his kids in social media? Uh, I don't have kids yet, but many of our clients having kids, they're asking me these questions and it is top of mind. For me, So that's always really fun and rewarding when I get to hop on a call with an executive client, share the podcast episode with them before it goes live with that exact question that they've had for me so that I can help them uncover a new strategy that might work in their own life. I will tell you, one book that really snuck up on me, and I think you too, Johnny, in the past year, was Erica Dewan's Digital Body Language, How to Build Trust and Connection No Matter the Distance. Going into that episode, thinking, well, obviously, we study a lot of body language. We talk about body language in our programs. Oh, I definitely am going to know much of what's covered in this book. So it's going to be a fast read, uh, something that I can quickly get through. And I found myself earmarking almost every other page. There was just so much going on in that book and so many frames and lenses that I hadn't taken thinking about how we show up in a Zoom world now, in a completely digital world. And as we think about the metaverse, we think about uh, co-working spaces and how we're all getting along, most, if not all, of our communication over the last two years has been digital. But it's the only resource that I've seen at all around how are we carrying ourselves in these ways and what is it saying about us, the company culture, how are we being perceived? And there's so much nuance to it. It's such a deep book that I feel like we could have talked to Erica for hours and hours on end. And it's just one of those books that I recommend for all of our clients, especially if you're looking to become a leader in this current work environment. You need to have polished digital body language because, as she shared, you set the tone for the team. You are the pace car for everyone. They're going to follow your lead based on how much do you put in a response to an email? What tone do you take? in that response to an email? How are you joining Zoom calls? Are you making time and space for everyone to share? You know, all of those different science studies that she brought to the forefront in that episode were things that I truthfully hadn't really thought of, even in all the years that we've
2: been coaching on body language. Interesting point, AJ, and I'm going to bring this up, and I, and this is a topic all of its, its own, and perhaps we should host a podcast on it at some point, which is we have spent, all this time in building the digital world. However, we're now at a point where the digital world is changing us. I think it became very apparent to the world in 2020 that the the digital world is now affecting the real world. However, I think it was apparent to everybody at that point, but that actually happened some years earlier. And I would even point to around 2017, was the year that the digital world really started to unfold IRL. And her book presents that idea. And, and that was the first time that I think that this idea that I had in the back of my head was articulated where I, where I was like, oh, no. I always had this idea in this weird sort of sci-fi matrix idea But hair was not only uh, apparent, but on paper. And it was, and I'm reading it, and it was sort of a shock to me. Many of us think of digital body language as
1: an add on, an additive, uh, a small strategy in our arsenal. But she actually argues that digital body language is now at the forefront. It's actually taken over all, all forms of communication. And it's something that, people just aren't covering. I know even when I started my career in science, I wasn't going through lessons on how to write emails, how to communicate in a digital world. I was picking up cues from other team members and some of those cues that I picked up over the years and some of our former team members are not the way that I want to be carrying myself in a digital body language world. So I thought that was a really remarkable discussion. And again, one of those books that's so dense, even an hour doesn't do it justice. But if you think about the way that we are leveraging digital communication in our lives, it's not going away. Its impact is only growing. So it should be an area that we're all focusing on.
2: Well, one of the unique aspects to this podcast is the time in which we started it and the, and what we're going through. So it's also documenting our journey with all this new technology that came out, wanting to be a part of it and growing along with it. And you can argue that there has already been several eras of that technology uh, through the 15 years that we've been a company. And that's uh, really unique as as well. I mean, at the beginning of this, at the beginning of this company and the beginning of this podcast, I, I consider that the wild west of the internet. Anything went, it was a much different place than it is now as we're all trying to come to terms with how this digital world is affecting our lives. And her book laid that out for even the frightening aspects that that is. Yeah, I know a lot of our clients
1: who heard that podcast and went out and got the book did a complete audit of the way they were showing up. And I even noticed a difference in our Zoom meetings inside of X Factor for those members who had read it, because many of us, again, are just hopping on Zoom, last second, just, hey, I'm here, camera's on, let's roll, not really thinking through what's being communicated when we're not looking at the screen, when we're not as engaged as we could be. And just creating the space for connection. You know, one thing that this pandemic has forced on all of us is just less face-to-face time. Johnny, you moved away. Michael, you've been based in Vienna. Johnny and I made a trek out to Vienna, but we've been so removed from one another. We don't have a physical location to go to any longer. We've moved the company mostly digital at this point. And it was just so refreshing to hear her stress just the importance of checking in on team members outside of scheduled meetings and making sure that you're creating space for real connection That connection that would have been happening at the house Mm -hmm. in Hollywood or that connection that would have been happening when we were hanging out with you in Vienna, Michael, has been removed. Many of us right now are just in situations where we're hopping on the Zoom meeting as it's scheduled and, oh, I got to get to my next Zoom meeting and not really thinking about the impact that's having on our relationships as well as our motivation in the team.
2: So for all of us, we're going to have to do an audit of our lives every so often to clean out the clutter, just like our apartments or our houses will collect clutter from from our lives. Uh, as we move on, we're going to pick up habits and routines that may or may not be benefiting us as we evolve, as we change. Carrie Newhoff's uh, book and podcast, we discussed doing an audit of everything and then dividing your day up in the three zones uh, red, yellow, and green, and uh, allowing yourself to create space for the things that are actually important to you. And let's be honest, you're going to do the things that you want to do. And with that, you want to provide the time for the things that are important to you. As we were discussing earlier, part of the show and what we do here, we're growth-minded people. And with that, we want to ingest the books that we're reading and then figure out time and space to implement these ideas. And with so many books, it's very difficult to implement all of these things all the time that we're learning. So it always sparks my interest when we read something that is obviously I can implement in my life on a daily, but creating that space to be able to do that is very important as well. And with that, let's talk about what
1: we're doing when we're not reading. We shared that we do read the books and we do spend a lot of time prepping for the interviews, but I'd love to hear what you're doing, Michael, when we're not
0: prepping for interviews. What have you filled your time with in the last year? So I have to say, 20... 21 was was tough in that regard. I mean, uh 2020 was 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 quite a change. And uh going into 2021 and here in Europe with a little bit of a different situation pandemic-wise than than you would deal with in the US, I was stuck at home quite quite a bit. I, I often wouldn't see friends outside of the the online world for you know weeks um on end. So I've I've actually At the beginning of this year, I asked myself, hey, what gave me pleasure? Like when I was a kid, what did I just love doing? And maybe I didn't have the time or the money for it. And now I'm an adult, so no one gets to tell me, you know, I can't buy that. And, And I got this really weird idea of getting, it's not a weird idea, it's a super cool idea. I got this super cool idea of just getting a bunch of remote control cars and... Then I invited my friends out and we would go to a public place in Vienna that had a lot of like room and and, and blacktop and we'd get a, a few beers and we would just race for hours and we would have so much fun and it was outside, so it was safe, it was summer, um no no restrictions, no no um no social distancing or anything else. Um, that was really something this year that I have very fond memories of of us just being out there for hours and just racing and and, and people would come by and kids would come by and um so and, and that was just something that I, I guess I always wanted to do since I was a kid. I was always into remote control stuff all all my, my childhood years. So this was a great opportunity to um and bring that fun into adult life.
2: Well, as somebody who is 48 years old, I certainly remember the remote control cars from my youth, and I can only imagine what the technology has brought with the remote control cars uh, of today. Well, I think the key thing is
1: bringing back that childlike wonderment that I think Mm. we've all been searching for through being locked up during the pandemic, being removed from a lot of our friends and family members and feeling isolated The things that gave us joy as kids, seeking those back out. I know for myself, a big part of what the lockdown in LA forced for me was just getting outside. So hiking more than ever and actually trying to travel to get away from some of the restrictions here in LA to maintain some level of sanity. And I know the restrictions in Austria have been even more aggressive than they have been here in LA, but that's really one of the big things for me was just getting the escape so that I could get outside in nature, so I could re-engage the senses and get away from all this digital body language Mm. that the pandemic had forced from me.
0: I will say that I've really... I, I really miss the outside. Like I am in Vienna, which is an amazing city, but it's it's a city. I feel like it's been over a year that I've like seen a tree from you know not that was wasn't on on TV. Getting outside more and travel more is certainly on my list for for next year. Let's just hope it
2: happens. I have to say for for myself, the the thing I learned in twenty twenty was how much music meant in my life and not something that was just that I listened to or and performed but also the community that going to shows and and uh, the the local venues would host for me and and my friends who were a part of that scene so for 2021 being removed from that and uh, was difficult for me. And so and moving to a new town, not knowing anybody and not being part of a new music scene and having to work myself into it, I decided to take on the the challenge of making a record on my own and focusing on the the music that I had written during the pandemic in a, in a very dark time at the beginning of that when not many people were quite sure what was coming down the line. And that has been a wonderful opportunity for myself and where I've spent all of my free time in in the last year. And certainly, as AJ knows me quite well, I can be tightly wound and I have a lot of energy. And if that energy is not focused in productive manner, it will be destructive. I will start picking things apart around me uh, and if there, I can't pick things apart that are around me I'll begin then picking on myself and so that energy has to be focused uh, and music has always been there for me to do that with uh, AJ's know me to be in a million bands already at this point from New York to Los Angeles and now uh, Vegas I've always had that outlet not having that in 2020 and realizing the mental mess to use the Caroline Lee phrase that I had collected during that downtime of 2020. I wanted to remedy that the best way that I possibly could in a new town, which put on that goal of making that record, which also allowed me to meet a lot of the the musicians here in Las Vegas and get uh, started in the talent pool that is here of putting that record together. And it has been a wonderful experience.
1: Well, I'm so excited for next year. Hopefully that will be the opportunity for the three of us to travel together for my wedding in Italy that's now been postponed year in and year out. I'd love to wrap today with just talking about what we're most proud of from 2021. So is there a feat or an accomplishment, Michael, that you're thinking pridefully about as we wrap the year?
0: Oh, man. Okay, so... This might be a little bit of a surprise, but it's it's going to be an honest answer. Um, I think what I'm most proud of for 2021 is making it through all right. Um, I mean, 2020 was tough. And I remember back then we were all into like, okay, we're going to learn so many many things. We're going to learn how to break bread and play the banjo and three the languages. And then we all realized it's quite, a, quite tough to be like locked up at home and 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 i've heard it said that 2020 was not the year to hustle it was just the year to you know kind of make it through and then came 2021 and it was more of the same i'm proud of the fact of making it through mentally all right yeah just making it through as 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 weird as that might sound but that's something that i'm i'm proud of and and what i'm taking away though from this year was realizing how important my health is because going through the year, I felt like I was prioritizing my mental health and frankly, my sanity over physical health and everything else. An organization as well. It was quite chaotic where sometimes I didn't even know what day of the week it was. And I'm just glad that my Apple Watch kept telling me what's next on the calendar. And so I go into 2022 with a plan to take both care of my mental health, but also to start prioritizing the other aspect of my health again as well. And whether that means um, going outside just to get some sunshine, making space and making time and making room to go outside and like look at trees and you know the, the green stuff that's supposedly still out there. Well we're gonna have to wait for the thaw
1: in you know, oh, we Austria will. for you to see the green. What about you, Johnny? What are you most proud of from twenty twenty one?
2: This was certainly an interesting year of, of growth for myself. Only being focused on certain things that I wanted to be focused on, I felt more focused than ever. Uh, so there was lots of development uh, in the roles of the company that allowed me to grow. And certainly, uh, as I was discussing earlier about Music, it's interesting seeing the growth there as well. I'm playing better than I ever have in my life. And I've unlocked certain abilities on guitar that I've, I've never been able to achieve before. Uh, and so that's been a lot of fun as well. And I, I just look for the growth being as focused as I am now in this company and music as we move into the next year.
1: I know for me, this is something that I hadn't really shared this year and many of our Clients over the years would probably be pretty surprised to hear it. You know, for the last 15 years, we had been hosting clients and training them on social skills, communication, relationships. And then we would do field nights, which is going out and actually putting this stuff into practice. And over the last 15 years, many of those nights, those field nights were spent in bars, in restaurants with alcohol. I never really thought... I had a problem with alcohol, problem with self-control, and I know there are certainly members of our audience who are recovering addicts. But this year, I made a decision to stop drinking, to prioritize my mental health and my physical health by removing alcohol. And I had some travel throughout the year. I had an opportunity to spend some time reconnecting with a friend I hadn't seen since the pandemic. And we overindulged on a weekend in Seattle, And I remember that Sunday waking up just feeling god-awful. And it was supposed to just be a a mild night out. We were just going to have a drink. And that, of course, you know how it goes, ends up in more than you'd like. And I'm now 100 days sober, not having touched alcohol. And I've really started to learn a lot about myself, how I choose to spend my time, how woven into my life alcohol and drinking was, as you can imagine, entertaining clients, going out, alcohol always being around and being a part of that. It became a crutch almost that I would need to have fun, to relax, to celebrate success in the business, to blow off some steam from some negative experiences in the business and also just to pass the time, you know, much of the lockdown in the pandemic led to drinking more wine than I wanted, drinking more than I would have liked, and then waking up not feeling so great about it. So one of the things that I'm proud of is making this decision, turn 40 in November, 100 days now of not drinking. I'm going to be carrying that into the new year. And I'm excited with this newfound time that I have because many of those nights drinking led to tough mornings, poor health decisions, sleeping in, not doing the berries workout, not going on the run. So I planned a half marathon in May that I'm now training for again, and really refocusing on my mental and physical health by removing alcohol, which has had such a strong negative influence in my life. And in that, I had an opportunity to connect over the last two boot camps with some clients who also are recovering or have just abstained from alcohol and really talked about their experiences around socializing and how it's almost a requirement in many situations for you to go out and meet friends. And it's been really refreshing to now think about new ways that I can engage friends and be social and have fun that don't include alcohol as that crutch. So that's what I'm really excited about. Those in the audience, we want to take a minute to just thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for all the kind words, the positive feedback, the reviews, asking questions, suggesting guests for us, and just generally letting us know that the show's having an impact on you. The three of us pour our heart and soul into these episodes, into bringing on these guests to try to find topics that can really change lives. And I think looking over the last year and the editorial calendar we had, we did that. We had on more women guests than ever. We had on more relationship advice. We tackled anxiety in a meaningful way, habit building, goal setting, self-awareness, digital body language. And I'm excited for the new year. We have some big name guests to kick things off. Really excited about them. And one of the things that I'm really working on is drawing boundaries. And there's been a, a seminal book in this area for me, and I'm really excited to bring her on as a guest to talk about this, because it's something that I've been working on personally. So that'll be coming in the new year. We wish everyone a warm, safe, happy holiday, and we can't wait to check back in with all of you in
0: 2022. Happy holiday, everyone. See y'all.
1: Now, before we go for the year, could you do us and the entire Art of Charm team a huge favor? Open Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. It helps us bring on the phenomenal guests we've had over the last year, and like-minded individuals like yourself find the show through those reviews. We really appreciate it. The Art of Charm podcast is produced by Michael Harold and Eric Montgomery. Until next year, I'm AJ. And I'm Johnny. Have a good one. Yeah, I remember you. You were-